You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. never dreamed of doing this. See, this is what compromise does to us. We find ourselves in places where we wouldn't even dream. Nobody in here is thinking, gee, how can I go out and sin bad tomorrow? Nobody in here is thinking that. How can I go out there and really mess up tomorrow? Yeah. You know, we don't have a plan. Well, tomorrow I'm going to go out there and do this. I'm going to really mess up. Yeah, yeah. But no, we don't have that. We start to compromise a little bit. We start to compromise a little bit. We get a little bit off, just a little bit off. And as we continue, all of a sudden we're out there in the middle of it nowhere thinking, how did I get here? Compromise in your Christian walk starts small. It feels insignificant, but it always leads to more traps if you do not cling to God and seek Him in desperate times. Today, Pastor Dave will encourage you to flee the devil and his schemes and pursue God and He'll guide you and strengthen you. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 28 as he continues his message, Living with the Enemy. You are wasn't trusting in God's promises. And because he wasn't trusting in God's promises, because he had sunk to a situation of despair, he becomes what Saul was several chapters ago. David now becomes the schemer. He takes up where Saul left off. He becomes the schemer. Instead of pretending to be a madman, he deceives the people of Gath in another way. David is operating on his own. He's out there on his own, operating not in faith. Faith is living without scheming. Faith is believing the promises of God for what they are. We said that at the beginning. All the promises of God are yes and amen. And if it says it in here, it's true, and we believe it. And we trust in it. That's a promise of God. David wasn't doing that. He's not operating in faith. When you trust in God, there is no need to scheme. There's no need to plot and scheme and try to manipulate people to do this or do that. It's when we do not believe in the promises of God, when we trust in our own understanding, we begin to scheme and the things we des- for the things we desire instead of allowing God to provide for us. Hence, Solomon wrote in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your understanding and all your ways acknowledge Him. And He'll do what? Direct your path. Right. Right. David wasn't doing that. David was now directing his path. And I have found out through reading the word and through my own life that when I direct my own path, my loving, wonderful, wonderful, awesome Heavenly Father goes, go get him, Davy. Let me know how this works out for you. He steps back and lets me go. But yet when I turn around, he's right there. He's right there. So that's where he is now. Let's read 3 through 7. So David dwelt with Achish at Gath, he and his men, each man with his household, and David with his two wives, Ahinoam, the Jezreelitess, and Abigail, the Carmelitess, Nabal's widow. And it was told Saul that David had fled to Gath, 
So he sought him no more. Then David said to Achish, If I have found favor in your eyes, let them give me a place in some town in the country that I might dwell there. For why should your servant dwell in the royal city with you? So Achish gave him Ziklag that day. Therefore Ziklag has belonged to the kings of Judah to this day. Now the time that David dwelt in the country of the Philistines was one full year and full months. So now we're going into the mix. It becomes worse. David now has defected to the Philistines. Not only has he defected, but he's responsible for the spiritual care of all these other people. All 600 men, their wives and their children, their sons and their daughters, and they all come with. And David is leading them down a path of destruction. David is not being a good shepherd here. David is not being a good shepherd. David knows all too well about the Lord is his shepherd. I shall not want. The Lord, he knows that. David is not doing what he has written. David is not doing that. He defects to the Philistine and it touches everybody there, including his two wives. But David did accomplish a goal. Remember verse 3? The end of verse 3? No, I lied. At the end of verse 4, Saul sought him no more. (laughs) He did accomplish something. He got out of town and Saul said, ah, the heck with him. Not going there. But now David is in a place of compromise. Oh, yeah, the C word, compromise. David is in a place of compromise. This is how it starts. This will leave David worse off than when he first began. And this is what compromise does to us. It starts with a very, very little, tiny compromise. And you start to compromise here, you start to compromise there, and pretty soon the compromise gets big, and you find yourself in consequences that you are just thought you could never be in. All because you compromised. You compromised God's promises. Look what he does. David submits to the king of Ashkish, calling himself Achish's servant. How low can you go? He calls Achish, my lord, I'm your servant, he says. For why should your servant dwell? He's now serving the king of the Philistines, the dreaded enemy of all Israel. He's compromising with the enemy. This is not a good place for a child of God to be. This is not a good place for the child of God to be. Compromises. And we have, once David moves to Gath, there are no recorded Psalms written. I think that's very interesting. Why do you think that is? I think it's because he didn't have a good relationship with God. He wasn't tight with God anymore. He wasn't, yeah, he had backslidden majorly, absolutely. This was not a high point in his spiritual life. And here David goes to the king of Gath, whose name is Achish, and asks for a city of his own. He's, he's like, he's saying, well, you know, we're too crowded here, and I really shouldn't live in your palace. Why don't you give me uh, a city? Yeah, yeah, that's it. Give me a city. He didn't care if he found favor in, in the eyes of a Philistine ruler before. Now he wants to find favor here. What a change. What a change. He has sunk to a new low. And this is what compromise does to us, gang. It brings us to a new low. We start to compromise here. We start to compromise there. We start changing this, changing that, not believing in God's promises. And the next thing you know, you have a world of hurt upon you. 
And although David had slain Goliath, Achish knew that Saul was still seeking David at this time. If he welcomes David into the palace, David might be able to help him. You know, there was a lot of them. I told you chapter 30 says, chapter 30 talks about the wives and the, and the sons and daughters that the Amalekites attacked the city of, of Ziklag, not the uh, Philistines. All told, there could have been 3,000 people there. They needed their own place. So he settles there in this new city of Ziklag among the Philistines. But he's not being honest. He has ulterior motives. David is discouraged. He's despairing. And his heart didn't affect only him. It affected these 600 men and their whole offspring. He has sunk to a new low, a new level of discouragement and despair. Before he would have never dreamed of doing this. See, this is what compromise does to us. We find ourselves in places where we wouldn't even dream. Nobody in here is thinking, gee, how can I go out and sin bad tomorrow? Nobody in here is thinking that. How can I go out there and really mess up tomorrow? Yeah. You know, we don't have a plan. Well, tomorrow I'm going to go out there and I'm going to do this. I'm going to really mess up. Yeah, yeah. I'm going, no, we don't have that. But we start to compromise a little bit. We start to compromise a little bit. We get a little bit off, just a little bit off. And as we continue, all of a sudden we're out there in the middle of Nowhere, thinking, how did I get here? In his wrong thinking, he must have thought he had it made. Saul's not chasing me anymore. I can do what I want. I can hang out and do whatever I want. That's exactly what he does. I've got it made here, living with my peeps, the Philistines. You know, sometimes we grow weary. And sometimes we even struggle, even with our brethren, even amongst ourselves, there's struggles. I mean, after all, we're a family. And I never knew a family that didn't argue once in a while. So... We struggle sometimes with our peeps. We struggle sometimes with our brethren. We think, you know what? I'm tired of all this church stuff. I'm going to go hang out with the world for a while. So David did. It's almost like David gave up on God and said, you know what? I'm going to hang out in the world a while. Oh, oh. You think you might even get treated better there. You think you might even get treated better in the world than you will in church. And that might be true. I told you about being a teacher for all these years. And when I taught in Colorado... They had a smoking area, and they had all these things. And you get new kids who would come to school. New kids would come, and they would come into school. The first group that treated them decently wasn't the jocks. It wasn't the cowboys. It wasn't even the smokers. It was the druggies. They treated them like royal. They loved them, getting them in there. Because they saw a profit if they could hook on drugs, I guess. But they were the ones that were going outward towards them. They were being treated than they were anyplace else. So what happens here? David's being treated wonderfully by these guys. But he's in the pit of discouragement. He's there. We grow weary. I'll hang out with the world a while. We got treated. And for a while, everything seems good, just like we're going to read here. For a while, everything seems okay. Saul's not chasing me anymore. I'm going to hang out here for a while. We don't have any hassles. We don't have any worries. Nobody is chasing me. But eventually, it catches up to you. Eventually, it catches up to you. So you stop coming to church. You stop fellowshipping with the brethren, and you isolate yourself. Well, what happens when you isolate yourself? This thing out there, roaring like a lion, looking for somebody he can devour. Walking around and looking for someone. Looking for someone out there. Don't on the animal planet. You'll see the same thing every time they do. The big cats are up on the hill just sitting there. What do you think about that one? Nah, it's too strong. How about that one there? Nah. Wait a minute. Oh, look. There's one down there limping. Oh, yeah, he's limping. Look, he's hurt. I'll let the herd go by. That's the one they single out. That's the one they single out and go after every single time. Now, Satan does come after the strong ones. The devil tries to do things to the strong ones. But also, 
but if you're out there isolating yourself, if you're out there out of fellowship, if you're out there trying to do your own thing and you become weak and you become strong and you come up in despair, I got news for you. They're wringing their hands. Oh, we got this guy. Oh, yeah. And they're going to pounce. They're going to pounce. I love what Spurgeon says. I have to read you this about what Spurgeon says about the devil roaring like a lion. Quote, he isn't just looking to lick or nibble on your ear. <laughs> he wants to devour you. He can never be content till he sees the believer utterly devoured. He will rend him in pieces and break his bones and utterly destroy him if he could. Do not therefore indulge the thought. The main purpose of Satan is to make you miserable. He is pleased with that, but that is not his ultimate end. Sometimes he may make you happy for half dainty poison sweet to the taste which he administers to God's people. If he feels that our destruction can be more readily achieved by sweets than bitters, he certainly would prefer that which we best affect his end, unquote. David's path is destruction. If he continues on this path, it will lead to his destruction. Compromise, deception, scheming only lead to one place, heartbreak and disgustion. But God is bigger than all this. God is so much bigger than all this. Peter tells us to resist the devil and he flees. To draw near to God and he'll draw near to us. He gives us the reason. We have to resist him with a steadfast faith. David wasn't practicing steadfast faith. David's faith was all over the place. He wasn't even trusting in the Lord at all. The secret of our spiritual warfare is simple, steadfast resistance. By faith and faith alone. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Be steadfast and immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your work of the Lord is not in vain in the Lord. Be steadfast and immovable in what you believe in, and don't be shaken. Have a right foundation of Jesus Christ. What he did on the cross is our foundation, and we stand on that. Don't be shaken. So David takes up a new occupation. Let's read the rest of the chapter to verse 12. And David and his men went up and raided the Gershites and the Gerzites and the Amalekites. For those nations were inhabitants of the land from the old, as you go to shore, even as far as the land of Egypt. Whenever David attacked the land, he left neither man nor woman alive, but took away the sheep, the oxen, and the donkeys, and the camels, and the apparel, and returned and came to Achish. And Achish would say, where have you made a raid today? And David would say, against the southern area of Judah or against the southern area of the Jerahamites or against the southern area of the Kenites. David would save neither man nor woman alive to bring news to Gath, saying, at least that should inform us, saying, thus David did. And thus was his behavior all the time he dwelt in the country of the Philistines. So Achish believed David, saying, He has made his people Israel utterly abhor him. Therefore, he will be my servant forever. Two things happening here. David's playing the king. He's lying. He's lying to the king. Oh, yeah, he's going around and beating up some of these old tribes that were left over from Joshua days. He's going around clearing up some of them from left over from Joshua days. But when he comes back, he says, oh, I was raiding in, in southern Judah. I was raiding them down there. Yeah, letting Achish think that he was on their side. So, so he's lying. And the Hebrew word here for raid simply means to strip. It means they take the dead and take all their loot. They strip everything from them. He attacked these villages or the encampments. He killed some men. He took the treasure. He robbed the people of the village and everything. This was no way for a man to live who was after God's own heart. This was no way for him to live. These people 
Yes, they all were enemies of Israel, and David was taking them away. So instead of being abhorred in his country, the people were loving him because he was getting rid of all these enemies of Israel. It's crazy. But he lied. He lied. Stark realization. He was listening to his own words again. He left neither man nor woman alive. Why? No witnesses. No witnesses. No witnesses. He killed people constantly. He now fought wars for profit instead of God's honor. Pretty sad. Oh, how easily we all fall. Here David is trying to make up for his guilty conscience. We do the same thing. We pull away from fellowship. And the first thing we want to do is we want to go help somebody else. We throw ourselves into works. We throw ourselves into works. Nothing wrong with works. But we're not spiritually active. We're not seeking God. Success isn't necessarily an indication of spirituality. And old David won every battle. He wasn't right with God. He wasn't right with his God. In verse 10, he lied blatantly. He said, oh, I'm raiding tribes in Israel. No, he lied. He lied. And we finish up. Let's read the verse, couple of verses in chapter 28. Now it happened in those days that the Philistines gathered their armies together for war to fight with Israel. And Achish said to David, you assuredly know that you will go out with me to battle, you and your men. So David said to Achish, surely you will know that your servant can go or can do. And Achish said to David, therefore, I will make you one of my chief guardians forever. David really didn't lie to Achish because he was ashamed of what he had done. He lied to him to gain favor. And he found favor with him. Come on, join us. You and your men will have a great run. We're going to go against war. Many think that this was the start of his downfall. Many of them think that this was on his mind when he saw Bathsheba bathing from his palace rooftop that day. His connivingness was so much for he can bear. Many think that that happened. Akish believed David and said, he has made the people of Israel abhor him. Now he's going to be my servant forever. And Akish felt really was a good place. David was trapped in a web. He was trapped in a web of compromise. This is what the compromise does you. It traps you in a web that you can't get out of. Akish believed that David burned all his bridges and he wasn't going to go back to God. It all looked pretty dark. But David had not and could not burn his bridge to God. And David will take sides with the Philistines against Israel? I don't know. Akish said to David, Surely you know that you will go out with me in battle, you and your men. And this is the consequences of David's lie. He's put in a place. Well, what does he do now? He had to make a choice. He had to make a choice. Seems like David completely surrenders to this ungodly person. It seems like he's going to fight for the Philistines against Israel. We hope that he was operating as a double agent, but it really doesn't say. We're not sure. The text doesn't give us any reason to be optimistic. David was in about as low as place as he could go. And this is what compromise does. This is what compromise does. I've been there, and I've done that. To some degree, most every Christian has been at where David is at one time or another in your life, even in your Christian life. It's a backsliding state. We can understand what David's doing, but it's still wrong, and it's very dangerous. As I said before, when I'm confronted by great men of faith, I'm encouraged when they run into trouble and I see their lack of faith. But yet God speaks so highly of them. Abraham lied twice 
to the Pharaoh of Egypt about his wife. She's my sister, remember? She's my sister. I'm comforted because God uses imperfect people to accomplish his will. I'm comforted by that. The song we used to sing, Lord, if you mark our transgressions, who can stand? The Lord was to start to mark our transgression. Who can stand up? I'm comforted because God looks upon our heart, the inward heart, looks deep into our heart. David is basically powerless to say no to a quiche. His lies have brought him deep into the Philistines' favor. And many times when we compromise with the enemy, even for a while, we become powerless against him until we become right with God. We spoke of the, Christ, the scripture, resist the devil and he will flee. David may have given up on God, but God didn't give up on David. That's one thing I love about it. You may be in a situation where you might have given up on God. God did not give up on you. And God will never give up on you. Not if you accept that Jesus Christ is your Savior. If you believe that he is the Son of God. If you believe that he died on a cross for your sin and you've become born again into a living hope, if you believe that God raised him from the dead on the third day, you are a child of God, and he will never give up on you. He will never, ever give up on you, nor will he ever, ever turn his back on you. And all his thoughts towards you are good and loving and kind, and they outnumber the sands of the sea. And he throws them at you, and he lavishes you with his love. He bestows that upon you so liberally and so freely because of that vast love on him. Why would we ever, ever think of turning our backs on him? But yet, we do. David will call out to God one day and he will say, remove me from the way of lying lips. Remove me from the way of lying lips. And then he's going to call out to God and say, search me. See if there's any wicked way in me. Oh, would we be like David and stand before God and say those words? Search me, Lord. See if there's any wicked way within me. And point it out so I can repent of it, so I can get rid of it. Search me, oh Lord. Yeah. This battle that we've started in, in chapter 28 will eventually lead to the death of Saul and Jonathan. Battle in 28 runs through 29, 30, and 31. In 31, Jonathan and Saul die. And then David can assume the throne that God had prepared him for. All through 1 Samuel. Still going to be some time. There's still more time left. David is going to make more mistakes. Oh, how gracious and wonderful God is that when I make a mistake... I have an advocate with the Father. I have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. I have a mediator who goes before me. Oh, how wonderful it is to know that God loves me with an everlasting love. And he'll never let me slip out of his palm of his hand. You are We're so glad you joined Pastor Dave Shank today for A Sure Hope. This study in 1 Samuel has been taking you further into God's process of fulfilling promises. 
and it may not look like you'd always want it to. God gave a promise to David when he was young and unequipped to handle the magnitude of what was to come. God still gave him a glimpse to the future though, and we walked with David to help him grow and learn. God's plan included trials along with victories, but he was faithful to David throughout. Right now in our country, we are facing a trial never before experienced. Don't fear, God is as faithful to you now as he was to David. He will bring you through, and you can lean on Him for strength and comfort in the waiting. We'd encourage you to read ahead in 1 Samuel and discover for yourself how God works life out, and let Him encourage you through it. How can we be praying for you during this 1 Samuel study and during this unusual time in history? Please give us a call and let us know at 609-884-5821. Again, that number is 609-884-5821. We are pleased to be able to bring you teachings from God's Word on each edition of Assure Hope. If you'd like to hear more from this series in the book of 1 Samuel, visit assurehoperadio.com. There are several teachings on various books of the Bible available online for download, and we encourage you to share them with friends and family. That's all we have time for. Thanks for tuning in to Assure Hope.